1: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramer. I hope people want to make friends. that's trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. You want to understand this seemingly unstoppable market where, again, the Dow rallied another 153 points, S&P gained 0.52%, NASDAQ advanced 0.19%. Well, then look no further than the stock of Tesla. This is an amazing market, but it's also been an amazingly challenging market. Individual investors, though, are back. They now make up north of 20 percent, some say 25 percent of the action. And they've weathered everything from frightened, screaming billionaires to the nastiest presidential race in living memory to a horrific, horrifying global pandemic. They've steeled their hearts against the lack of covid vaccine or even a therapeutic. They aren't oblivious to the incredibly high unemployment rate, although they haven't let it change their minds about trying to make money in the stock market. And what's the perfect symbol of that attitude? Tesla, not the car, not the man, not even the company, but Tesla, the concept. This is something that stands for American greatness at a time when it can feel like our country doesn't have much to root for in a world that hates us. I don't remember if I I, no, I cannot remember a time in my life when we were this hated and I lived through the Nixon administration. Now, Tesla reported last night, and while the stock barely budged today, the fact is they delivered some fantastic results. This was a clean top and bottom line beat. No funny business, ledger demand, nothing. With $1.4 billion in cash flow, double what Wall Street was looking for, Tesla hit its aggressive U.S. build targets for the quarter, and they still think they can make a half million Model 3 and Model Y units in America this year, along with another 250,000 Model 3s in China. Elon Musk is even planning the flag in the global capital of the auto industry with a Berlin plan that will start producing cars from Europe next year. We'll see the Tesla truck made in Austin sometime next year, too. They've left the old school automakers in the dust. At this point, it's not even a fair comparison. Even though Tesla spent two point four billion on new production capacity, service centers and supercharging locations, among other items, their cash still increased by five point nine billion, bringing their total hoard up to fourteen point five billion. I can remember only about a year ago when people still worried that Tesla was functionally bankrupt. Now I can argue that it's got the best balance sheet in the industry. Most important for once, Elon Musk conducted a flawless conference call, comported himself well, not eccentric, not condescending, not a far off Broadway comedy. He played it straight. How many CEOs wish they could kick off their call with saying, and I quote, all right, so Q3 was our best quarter in history. We achieved record production deliveries, record revenue, record net income, both gap and non gap and record-free cash flow of $1.4 billion, end quote. He actually sounded gracious, maybe even a little humble, when he thanked his employees and suppliers. Humility from Elon Musk? <coughs> well, wonders never cease. He went on to talk about cost control, improving quality, making the cars more affordable, and then he finishes saying, quote, I've never felt more optimistic about the future of Tesla than I do today. Also, I'd like to thank the investors who have stuck with us through thick and thin. I think there's a lot more good stuff to come, end quote. No hyperbole? I mean, I know that sounds like standard uh, corporate problem, right? So what separates, separates Elon Musk from every other CEO who's paid to sound optimistic about the future and make nice with investors? Two things. First, those other guys don't have his track record. And second, and more important, we've waited years to hear this kind of boring CEO talk from Elon Musk. We're used to hearing him haranguing the idiot analysts or the stupid SEC or the foolish critics. Sometimes you you had to wonder if he just smoked a doobie. This time he sounded like he was channeling Lincoln's second inaugural. Malice toward none. Charity for all. Listen, this guy has taken a situation that was easy to dump on where many analysts had sell ratings on the stock. Some of them even predicted bankruptcy. And he's turned it into a $400 billion business. At this point, Tesla's transcended the auto industry. It is a tech company. It's figured out how to store clean energy and then use it to fuel cars and who who knows what else. Most automakers have to spend more money advertising than Tesla spends on building new factories. They blanket the airways with ads nobody wants to see, not even the ones voiced by the great John Slattery. Tesla on the hand, doesn't need to advertise product markets itself. Today, two analysts were forced to upgrade the stock from hold to buy after fighting it all the way up. Sure, the stock's already more than quintupled this year, but as one of them explained, fashionably late, upgrading to outperform. The other note said the margin picture improves significantly, shifting to market outperform. Uh, wh- where did these uh, Johnny-come-latelys uh, uh, get it wrong? Was it that they didn't realize Tesla's a great technology company with a surprisingly reasonable valuation versus other tech? It only trades at 13 times sales at a time when dozens of tech stocks trade at more than 50 uh, 20 times sales, one sells to 50, which is Zoom. And now uh, Snowflake's over 100. With 39% revenue growth and a 9.2% operating margin, Tesla deserves to trade like those cloud players, especially when you consider all the intellectual property that goes into one of their cars, including a battery that's only going to get better and cheaper. I know I was quite taken with the technology when I recommended the stock at $60 a year ago. It's now at $425. But it wasn't the technology that got me on board with this story. It was my daughter, my wife, and two very smart friends with fabulous financial acumen who dragged me kicking and screaming into the bull corner. I don't think that's why these analysts missed it, though, even if the tech angle is a pretty good excuse, given that they all cover the auto industry. If you're used to following Ford or General Motors, Tesla's valuation does look insane. It's now the largest auto company uh, uh, er on Earth by market cap, bigger than Toyota, even as Toyota's on track to make roughly 20 times as many cars as this year. No, they made a different kind of misjudgment one that maybe you wouldn't see they failed to understand the scale of the opportunity that Tesla held out to individual investors like you including the younger ones we call them the Robin Hood kind who've taken the market by storm these analysts didn't grasp the younger generations more optimistic ethos to them musk is a rebel with a cause the cause of observable excellence not social media mystique or or a cloud brilliance, but actual metal bent around brilliance. The analysts couldn't understand that Tesla is more than just a vehicle. It's a vehicle of hope in a miasma of gloom. Musk even made it easier for individual investors to get a piece of it by splitting the stock. Now, it's not a cold stock as I once thought. That was wrong. It's a story of American ingenuity. Probably a lot like Henry Ford when he first burst on the scene with his universal car, except with a much cleaner engine and without Henry Ford's trademark anti-Semitism. Here's the bottom line. When it comes to Tesla, the doubters were wrong and the believers were right. Those believers are not the rich, cautious, state preachers of index fund handcuffs. They're the individual investors who are sick and tired of being told that they're stupid, too stupid to manage their own money. Turns out they can make a lot of money. When you buy stock in a great company with a visionary CEO and a revolutionary product, that shouldn't take so many people by surprise. And I hope it doesn't after the shimmering star that is Elon Musk's Tesla. Let's go to Philip in North Carolina. Philip. Today. Philip, how are you?
2: I'm good. I'm good. Before I start, I just want to thank you so much because for all the years that I've been watching you, you're making it possible For me to give my four grandkids a head start on life when they got to go out into the real world.
1: Oh, you're You're a good man. Thank you. I try pretty hard and it's worth it when I hear things like that. So let's go to work.
2: Okay. listen, one other quick question. I've seen pictures of your
1: garden. Do
2: you have any fig trees in that garden?
1: Any fruit trees? Fig, fig. Fig Fig tree. No, I have my fig trees in my Italian garden, but they wouldn't let me go there because of this pandemic. Oh, they're the best. Thing. I know, I know. I love my fig trees in Italy. What's up?
2: Okay, all right. So this stock that I own, I'm up 127%. Last three days, it's been down big. I'm wondering, I know what you tell me. Take your money out. Right now, I'm playing with the house's money. What should I do with Twilio? Should You're I just playing play with the house's
1: money. You let this one ride. Now, Twilio is like a lot of stocks that have suddenly wr- feel like they're rolling over. But Twilio's a great, you know, look, Lawson, Jeff, come on back to the show, Jeff. You know, I mean, look, so uh, so we had a little dis- p- difference of opinion for a while. But I think Twilio's doing a great thing for small business. It's empowering them. And I think the stock will be good in the long run. And thank you for those kind comments. Four grandchildren doing well. Jack in Connecticut. Jack. Hey, Jim. Booyah from booyah. Fairfield County. I'm looking at a few ready-to-breakout stocks that appear to have consolidated, and they formed a cup with handle Technical over the past 8 to 10 weeks. I'm interested in your thinking on these three. Right here, right now, are they ready to run? First, IPHI chip company. They've consolidated over 10 weeks back to August 3rd. Second one, and the third, you're real, real familiar with those, Amazon and NVIDIA. Hey, are these ready to go up right from today's levels? I don't want to put in five. You know, we have to have in five one. I, I don't want to put them in the same category as uh, as as uh, AMD, AMD. Was there AMD, right? Was it AMD or is it Amazon? AMD. OK, and AMD's up. First, it was down because people felt they were getting hurt by Intel. It's merged out Intel's hurting, uh, getting hurt by AMD. I think AMD and I think NVIDIA is maybe the finest company in America other than maybe Tesla. Um, I think AMD's doing incredibly well. Uh, and I think that you can do without infi. Uh, just my feeling. Uh, my chapel trust owns both AMD and NVIDIA. Let's go to Joe in New York, please. Joe. Mr. Kramer, what's going on? How are you this evening? I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm doing well. I had a question on a stock that I am bullish on midterm. And that would be Amheuser-Busch, B-U-D. Its 18-plus brands generate a billion dollars yearly. It has relentless transformative acquisitions. And although a 10 percent decline in sales and a 50 percent decline in EBIT, there's still an estimated 9 percent growth next year, as well as an estimated 4 percent. I don't 4%. think they'll do that growth. growth. I don't think they'll do that. I think beer has peaked. The only beer companies make that's really growing at all is Constellation, even that's tough stock to own. Uh, I don't think that uh, I think it's the clears that are working right now and bourbon is working. And that's really about it. All right. If you want to understand this unstoppable market, I need you to look at the stock of Tesla. Individual investors are back. They're better and bigger than ever. And I congratulate them. Oh, man, buddy, tonight I'm sitting down with the CEO of Newcore to talk about the company's recent resurgence. Then I know electric vehicles are still top of mind for many investors. I'm eyeing one of the newer plays in this space and telling you if it's worth considering. Don't miss my take on quantum space. And my opinion on autos doesn't end there. I'll tell you why a bull market in the space could have you revving your engines. So stay with Kramer.
3: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag mad tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call. At 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com.
4: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash card.
3: Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com to start saving.
1: After spending a couple years in the wilderness, the best-run steelmaker in the world, Nucor, is making a magnificent comeback thanks to the part, well, the resurgence of the auto market, but also non-residential construction. Even before the pandemic, Nucor was having a rough time. But after the COVID hit, the stock plunged down to the high 20s as people were worried that we were heading to a depression. Instead, the economy got rolling in, and of course, so did Nucor. Fast forward to late September, the company pre-announced some strong third-quarter results. Then this morning, they reported full results, and they were even better than expected. Nucor earnings, 63 cents per share. Analysts, 55 cents. And better yet, they gave you strong guidance for the next quarter. So let's take a closer look with Leon Topalian. He is the president and CEO of Newport. You get a better sense of the quarter where the company's headed? Leon, welcome back to Mad Money.
2: Thank you for having me, Jim. Excited to be here. And by the
1: way, we love that hard hat on you. Well, it's pretty darn good. Thank you so much. I wore it on a day when the market was down 400. I think it crossed the bottom. Okay, let's cut right to the chase. The way I look at Newport and have since Mr. Harverson ran it, there are moments in time, where business starts going up, where you've got capital projects that are coming on or have just been finished, where your raw costs are going down, as they are right now, and the order book is getting filled, and I call that Nucor time. Are we, sir, in Nucor time?
2: Absolutely, Jim. I I couldn't be more proud of our team, and I want to begin by letting you know that uh, our team is on pace to have the safest year in our history of our company, and as you know, the culture of Nucor representing the 27,000 men and women do an exemplary job of taking care of one another in the Newcore family. But Jim, to your point, we are poised and ready to um, return significant shareholder value back. And those projects are coming online and returning EBITDA now as we speak.
1: Now, I see some of the businesses are non-residential, very strong. And yet when I see all the doom and gloom around me, I think no one's building anything. That's clearly wrong or you wouldn't be having those numbers.
2: Absolutely. You know, I, I think one of the effects of pa- the, the pandemic, Jim, is people get very focused in the, the moment, the, the month, the quarter. Nucor's investments are for the long term. And we can't lose sight of that, that. The investments like in Brandenburg, Kentucky, a $1.7 billion state-of-the-art plate mill that comes online in 22 is about the future of the plate market. And Nucor is poised to be the market leader in that segment. And so, again, I couldn't be prouder of our team and how they responded as well as the earnings. I mean, our Q over Q are up in shipments about 20%. So non-res construction remains strong, and we see that going well into 21, Jim.
1: All right. Now, some people are worried that the plate market won't be strong. What do you see that tells you that you can put on all that capacity and maybe drive others out who are much more expensive?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Look, we've been in this business for 55 years. We know the cyclicality of steel, and we invest in the downturns to create higher highs and higher lows. The plate market is uh, poised for a leader to have one single um, operation like Brandenburg that can produce 97% of the steel and plate consumed in that market and located in the largest segment of the market for plate consuming products. So again, that that uh, that opportunity for Nucor and the cost advantage we will have will truly differentiate us, Jim.
1: A lot of people feel that making steel is a, a dirty business and that what you do is you take uh, dirty coal and you take dirty iron and you make it into something. Uh, Your company has not been able to, I think, tell a good story yet. Aren't you sort of the largest recycler in the world?
2: Jim, as you pointed out, we are the largest recycler of any product in North America. 70% of our inputs are recycled materials and 100% of our products are recyclable. We have an incredible sustainability and footprint, and there's a value add there as we think about the ESG side of our business and investing. And so, to your point, we've not been proactive in telling our story well enough, and I can assure you that's going to change in the coming weeks and months as Nucor continues to invest and expand our footprint in the United States.
1: I was glad to hear, even though I know the oil patch isn't that good, that you have made a major push into renewable power steel which is paying off, apparently, by generating far more profit than I thought it could.
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely, Jim. We, we see the renewable sector as having great opportunity for our plate, uh, structural uh, bar and MBQ businesses, rebar, and that is going to be a, a huge focus for us as we move forward because I think it's a huge focus and the right focus for our country.
1: We have heard in the last 48 hours from several auto companies that this is the beginning of a new cycle for them, that the used car inventory, which was so high, is almost gone, not unlike when you have used houses. When that goes down, they have to start buying new houses. We are think, I think we are at the cusp of maybe a 17 to 18 million SAR in this country. What would that mean for Nucor?
2: You know, Jim, our focus, we're about 1.6 million tons a year of our products going automotive. In the next several years, we're going to double that. So we want to be at the 3 million range. And part of our investment strategy, like our galvanizing line in Hickman, Arkansas, in the cold facility there, will be the first EAF producer anywhere to be able to produce a Generation 3 steel, which is a 2,000 megapascal steel, hardest, thinnest sheet product for the automotive sector, and again, truly differentiate us. So I couldn't be prouder of the team and the accomplishments in working. And we are a tier one supplier to all 14 major OEMs in this country. So automotive is going to be a... Uh, continue to be a big part of our business as we move forward.
1: Okay, so uh, what happens? I don't want to be political. I hate politics and I hate it more than ever, frankly, because even when I when I wade into it with a smile, doesn't matter. Uh, But uh, there's been the president. uh, President Trump has done a lot to be able to help the steel industry. Can that be undone quickly by another president?
2: You know, Jim, there's obviously we we will work well with both administrations and have in the past. And so our focus on trade is going to be unrelenting. We have got to ensure that the United States has a level playing field. I think one of the effects in, in uh, positive outcomes in silver linings of this pandemic is that it has shown America that we are far too dependent on China for things like pharma, PPE, medical devices, and other equipment, and that includes steel and manufacturing. We've got to reshore that, and we've got to ensure for the long term that the United States steel industry is vibrant.
1: All right. That's a great note to end it on. Couldn't agree with you more, sir. That is Leon Topalian. he's the president and CEO of Nucor NUE. Thank you so much, sir. Good to talk to Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Likewise. Thank you very much. Stick with Kramer.
4: Visibility at Indeed.com slash MadMoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash MadMoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash MadMoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: After another terrific quarter from Tesla last night, everybody's talking about electric vehicles today. So I want to remind you that many of these newer ones simply aren't worth owning. See, they're either too risky or they're too expensive. In particular, we've seen a wave of electric vehicle startups coming public by merging with special purpose acquisition companies. Now, these are called SPACs for short. Ever since Nikola did it over the summer, initially that stock soared into the stratosphere, so a bunch of copycats followed suit. Before we learn more about Nikola's history of allegedly fraudulent behavior, the stock collapsed. Well, we talked about Hylion. We just spoke to Fisker last night. Hyliion's further along. It was at 28 when I told you to wait for a pullback below 20. It's now 22. Not quite there yet. Could get there. Could not. Fisker might have some cool designs, but it's years away from producing anything. Too early. But I thought that Mr. Fisker told a pretty compelling story, if you've got patience. So if you're wondering whether any of these electric SPAC stories are worth owning now, tonight I've got one that looks a lot more enticing. It's called QuantumScape. It's a developer of electric vehicle batteries, which is in the process of merging with Kensington Capital Acquisition Corp. A week and a half ago, Nick in New Jersey, remember our callers are always smarter than I am, called in with a question about this one. And because I don't like to cover all these complex SPAC stories off the cuff... I said I'd get back to him. So what's the deal here? Okay, Kensington Capital itself only came public on June 25th. Remember, these special purpose acquisition vehicles raise a pot of money on the strength of their management with the understanding that they'll use the cash to buy something. Early last month, Kensington decides to buy this QuantumScape. Now, that's a decade-old company that's working on solid-state lithium metal batteries for use in, yes, EVs. This deal turned some heads. QuantumScape has a couple of board members who are pretty prominent in the venture capital, whether it's John Doerr from Kleiner Perkins, Vinay Kosla from Kosla Ventures, and then they're along with a guy named J.B. Straubel. Well, he's for, Straubel's uh, formerly uh, Tesla's long-serving chief technology officer. Of course, who do they have as a backer? How about Bill Gates? Not bad to have, right, financial? they got a partnership with Volkswagen, largest in the world. It also has two board seats along with a joint venture that will have QuantumScape producing their electric vehicle batteries. The CEO, Jagdeep Singh, has a long history in the tech industry. He founded and sold a couple networking companies in the 90s before founding Enfinera. That's a fiber optic play, taking it public in 2007. This guy's got a great track record as a business person. Unusual for one of these (laughs) electric vehicle startups. Meanwhile, Kensington Capital is run by car guys with a ton of experience in the auto industry. When we learned about the deal, Kensington Capital stock instantly doubled. That's been the pattern with these electric SPACs. The darn thing immediately surged from uh, 10 to 25, and, 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 but then it peaked and now it's all downhill to the point where it's under 14. Intriguing, right? Intriguing, 25 to 14. And i got to tell you these levels call me very interested. QuantumScape has spent 10 years trying to build a better electric vehicle battery because batteries are the limiting gating factor. They're why electric vehicles are so expensive, why they sometimes catch fire, why they can't take you as far as an old-fashioned combustible engine with a tank full of gasoline. Right now, everyone uses lithium-ion batteries. QuantumScape is doing something different. They're developing what are known as solid-state batteries. What's the difference? You know what? I'm going to let them tell you. Listen to what CEO Jagdeep Singh told CNBC's own Phil LeBeau early last month.
2: Depending on what you compare it to, it's between 50 and 100 percent greater range uh, for the same uh, exact size of pack, uh, which is pretty substantial. But even more important in the range uh, or as important as the range uh,
1: is the fact that you'll be able to fast charge these batteries. So uh, with our batteries, you'll be able to do a 15 minute fast charge. Wow. (laughs) I want it. Smaller, longer range, longer shelf life, much faster charge time, safer and most importantly, cheaper. According to Singh, a solid state battery should cost 15 to 20 percent less than traditional lithium ion batteries. They won't catch on fire. Why? Because they replace the parts that burns with, with solid ceramic material. You get a lot more power per pound of battery. We know Tesla's cars have a much longer range than they used to, but they mostly accomplish that by making the battery bigger. So what Quantum QuantumScape's uh, doing, what they're talking about, would be a great leap forward to the industry. More importantly, it's not just talk. Quantumscape's battery technology has already been vest, uh, tested and invested uh, by Volkswagen when the huge German auto company invested 100 billion in Quantumscape a little over two years ago. They announced that they tested these batteries in their labs at automotive rates of power. To me, this is a very encouraging partnership. Even if the joint venture with Volkswagen doesn't plan to produce anything for years, it's still very early. But, hey, the tech's legit. So what's the plan? Okay, even in the best-case scenario, QuantumScape doesn't plan to get production really rolling until 2024. They still need to spend years improving their technology and building out their factories. They won't be producing these batteries at scale, meaning where they can really be a lot profitable, until 2026. That feels very far away. This story is all about the out-years, but unlike Nikola, we got much more reason to believe in. QuantumScape. In short, I think we found an electric vehicle play that's worth speculating on as long as you can get a piece of it at the right price. Remember, Kensington Capital, the SPAC buying QuantumScape, has seen its stock plummet from its recent highs. This is something that seems to always happen with the overhyped SPAC deals. It's like clockwork. I wouldn't be surprised if this one has still more downside. So at what point should you start picking at it? OK, when the deal was announced in a pro forma valuation of $3.3 billion, that valued the company at one times its forecasted sales in 2027. Now, I'm highly skeptical of any seven-year forecast, but let's assume that it's in the right ballpark and the combination of Kensington and QuantumScape is worth, say, $3.3 Normally, what you do, you just divide that by the share count to figure out a price target. But with these SPAC deals, you don't necessarily even know how many shares they'll be. Kensington sold 230 million units when they came public in June, but when you dig into the SEC filings, they're talking about 376 million shares after the deal. That puts our back-of-the-envelope price target at around 9 per share. Of course, in these situations, they tend to be all sorts of warrants to further dilute the share count. When the stock soars, these warrants get executed, creating new shares. A warrant-related deluge is what crushed Nikola back in July. Right now, Kensington Capital is trading at $13 and change. I think the QuantumScape story is very compelling. If their batteries work as advertised, they can sell them to the entire industry. Pretty much everyone involved in this thing has impeccable qualifications and credentials. The partnership with Volkswagen is very encouraging. They've been working with Volkswagen for eight years at this point. The only problem here is that it's so early, like super early. What the heck are these guys going to talk about on conference calls for the next four years? I don't know, but it tells me there's no rush to buy. The bottom line, oh, I like QuantumScape, and and I like Kensington Capital. However, these things can be very volatile in the months before the deal closes. So if you want to speculate in this uh, $13 and change dollar stock, maybe let it come closer, say, to, I don't know, $12.10 before you pull the trigger. Given that it'll be years before they even have a product, you can afford to be patient. Let's go to Chitanya. Chitanya in... Indiana, Titania. Hey, Jim. Tanya. I invested on plug power. With it. Hey, yeah, I invested on plug power stock with the intention that we are moving towards green energy. Right. And since the stock felt promising with its new acquisitions,
2: I bought like around 1,000 stocks when it was all high. Now it went down by
1: 20% with no specific reasons I could relate to. Uh, do you think I should hold or sell it? Oh, no, and, no. And I, I Remember, I, this was one that identified as I really, really liked. There, I don't think there's any reason to take any action in other than maybe buy some. No, I, I like Plug. I think they've done a remarkable job turning the company around. So, no, uh, my inclination would be to hold or buy. Let's go to a Trevor in Indiana. Trevor. Big booyah,
2: Jim. Booyah, back. Hey, I watch a lot of documentaries lately, especially during the pandemic. And last week, my favorite streaming service went public. With a stack merger, they currently have 13 million subscribers, and they're in 175
0: countries with strong year-over-year growth. What's your thought on Curiosity Stream?
1: I can't cuff it. Um, a lot of these companies are newer companies. It's a media entertainment company. After what I saw happen with Quibi today. I got to do more work, and I hope you don't blame me for saying that. Because if Katzenberg and Whitman couldn't hit it, uh, I got to find out about Hendricks and Stinchcombe. Okay, Quantum Space and Kensington Capital is a very enticing. Electric's backstory. If you want to speculate, you know, maybe a couple down comes down a couple bucks, but you got to be patient. Much more mad money ahead, including my take on the Broom Boom. As buyers empty dealerships eager to avoid ride shares and public transit. How can you bang on the trend? And does your portfolio have what it takes to survive in this market? I'll be the judge of that when we play a game that you guys have just insisted that we keep doing. And I've done now for 20 years. M.I. Diversified. And all your calls are rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. I'm always looking for a bull market. But when I find one, I never tell you to throw everything into that particular sector or trend. No, that'd be stupid. In a volatile market, one day a stock could skyrocket and the next it could plummet. So diversification keeps you from being too emotional. As I always say, it's really the only free lunch out there, and that's why we play MI Diversified. This is where you call me, you tell me your top five holdings, I tell you if your portfolio is diversified enough or maybe you need to mix it up a little. First up, we've got a hashtag bad tweet. This is from Michael Garrix, who says, Hashtag, am I diversified? long listener, first-time tweeter, Jimmy Chill. Top five in order, Shopify, Humana, Square, Facebook, and Amazon. Well, isn't this interesting? Uh, because uh, Facebook competes with Shopify, although they have this kind of partnership, Umana, obviously, a large managed care health insurer. Square, uh, some could say that that does some aspects of Shopify. We're going to have to make some moves here because Amazon is also Internet. We have Internet retail. We have Internet retail. But you cut me to quick here because Amazon is a large position in Action Alert. So I'm not going to sell that. Keep UMANA, Keep uh, Amazon. I'll let you keep Facebook. And one of these two's got to go, Square or Shopify, and you're going to have to put a diversified industrial in there like a Honeywell. Um, yeah, Honeywell instead of Square. Let's do that. Honeywell instead of Square. I think that's fine. And let's go to Pete in Delaware. Pete.
2: Hey, Jim. Thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Of course. Um. So I wanted to ask you about some positions I've held for a couple of years now. They've done really well for me. All right, but they're getting a bit top. They're getting a bit top heavy. Okay, um, the stocks uh, I'm holding currently are Visa V, uh, FICO, uh, AMT American Tower, Kansas City Southern KSU, and DLR Digital Realty.
1: Really interesting. Very interesting grouping. Okay, All right. Now, I like the rails. You know, you see the difference between UNP and CSX. Uh, Yeah, that was a tough day for UNP, but we'll have to address that later. But that's this is a rail that I like. American Tower. Now, this was down in sympathy with Crown Castle, which didn't have a good forecast for next year. Visa is just fantastic. FinTech. Digital really is a very, very strong real estate investment trust. FICO. um, Okay, so it's more FinTech. Do they trade together? Actually, they don't even though they do not trade together, these two, I mean. So I'm going to allow FICO. I'm going to allow Visa. I'm going to allow Digital Realty. The rail, uh, we're going to have to get rid of the tower company just for now because numbers are going to have to come down for all the tower companies. Hey, And you know what? You can use a little bit of a, of a Honeywell, too. I'm, I'm in a Honeywell mode today. Let's go to Jay in California. Jay. Hey, Jim. Hi. The big booyah from San Francisco Bay Area. Well, how can you beat that? I wish I were there right now. Always. Okay. Okay, so my,
2: my booyah to you, Jim. Again, my name is Jay, and uh, the positions I have is Gilead Sciences, Roku, Young Brands, Qualcomm, and Activism Wizard, (ATVI).
1: Wow, very very methodical portfolio here. Okay, Roku, we know that that's the cord cutter, all right. But we're going to put that in entertainment technology. That's a new quality, That's a new category I just created. Qualcomm is terrific. Semiconductors, yum! They're about to report. That's diversified. Three restaurant group. Activision Blizzard is having an unbelievable gaming season. And there's a whole lot of new, ter- a whole lot of new product coming out around it. And then Gilead just got approval for remdesivir, although it already really had approval for remdesivir. Drug, gaming, dining out. Wow, isn't that something to do these days? Chip and uh, entertainment tech. I love this portfolio. I think this is a portfolio that's for kids. Let's go to Mark in California, please. Mark. Booyah. How you doing, Jim? This is a good day actually, Mark. How about you? I'm doing great. Hey, I just wanted to do on a diversification. I have Citibank, Alaska, GE, Bank of America, and Disney. Wow. All right, I see we gotta we gotta work cut out for us here, man. I sense someone who's going to need a little Bristol mass. All right, so Bank of America, all right, you know, bank is good bank, good bank. We don't need bank and city, though, so we're going to get out of city. And we're going to do that, actually do that tomorrow morning, by the way. Um, Alaska Air, okay, the airlines are going, Southwest is my favorite, Gary is so good, but, Gary Kelly, but we'll keep Alaska, GE, they have uh, earnings next week, remember I got a foot risk between GE and Ford, Larry Culp's doing a good job, diversified industrial entertainment, didn't even have to cover Disney because it's so good, uh, bank, a airline, and here we're going to get rid of city, and we're going to put in Bristol, Mars, okay, I like that. It's like a triptych from the old AAA days. Oh, no. No, I mean, I'm just getting started. It's like Monopoly. I'm going to turn the whole board over because my sister won. Everybody's back after the break. It is time. It's time for the And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski, daddy, go for the lightning round. Let's start with Mark in Mark.
2: Hi, Jim. Uh, It's a pleasure to speak with you. Same. My question is about Royalty Pharma. After I bought it in July, it went up and then corrected into early September. And since then, it was steadily increasing with one little dip until their secondary offering this month. After which it's been steadily declining. Oh, what's no, your No, and I'm going to-,
1: to ask for patience and buy more. The secondary offering was not what people wanted, admittedly, but there was, you know, there were people, venture capitalists in there, and you know what? It's a very inexpensive drug stock in a market that doesn't like the drug stocks. Let's give it a few more days. Uh, let's go to Jeff in Massachusetts. Jeff.
0: Oh yeah, Jim. Oh, hey, I yeah. took your advice. I went into my 17-year-old
1: room and seen some Corsair boxes, and he told me to buy some CRSR, and I had that a big Kid's got horse sense. I just went through the file yesterday. It's, the file was this thick and I gotta tell you some I see lots to like in Corsair. The kid is like the kid will be my sidekick. Let's go to Walter in North Carolina. Walter! Oh well, yeah, Jim. From Walter in North Carolina. Love the loyal Carolina. fan who has watched your show every night for many years. Fantastic. I have a substantial investment in Pfizer. As you know, he's developing a vaccine for COVID-19. Right. And the reports are very promising. However, their stock price does not reflect this potential gain. Right. Well, it's not going to because no one's going to really make money off of COVID, even though everybody seems to think that these companies will. I will say this. uh, The pipeline is just okay. Dr. Borla's got his work cut out for him. You got a 4% yield that's going to keep it uh, in play. But it is not my fate. I would prefer... Bristol Mars. I need to go to Graham in Vermont. Graham. Jimmy Chill, what's up? Not much. How about you, partner? I'm uh, doing good. Doing good. So um, I know you had Matt Murphy on a couple weeks ago, but wanted to get your recent take on the number one play in 5G. g uh, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about Marvell Technologies, MRVL, one of our biggest hits in Plus.com, which is my charitable trust. And I got to tell you something. We're not going away. We're not going away. We think it goes to 50. This thing is a juggernaut. Let's go to Mike in North Carolina. Here's Mike. Booyah, Kramer. Booyah, Mike. Uh, I'm uh, a on you for some more good advice. Uh, I have a uh, position in the solar sector, and uh, I was wondering if this might be a good time to add to it. Well, Uh, no, I I mean, it's only a good time if you think that uh, Vice President uh, Biden is going to win. That's why these stocks are running. They'll probably sell off if Biden wins uh, because they've been going up and up and up. So if you think that Biden's going to win, you got another shot. You buy some more. Let's go to uh, Rick in Oklahoma. Rick. Hello, uh, Jim. Yeah, you got me, Rick. What's up? How are you, sir? I am doing well. How about you? Because I might have got on the wrong train, (laughs) Jim. UP, Union Pacific, I'm long a little bit of it. Is it worth holding? Oh, boy, I was so, you know, I happen to think the world of Lance Fritz. And when I saw that, that, will you shut up? When I saw that Lance Fritz didn't do as well as CSX, it kind of broke my heart because I think Lance is the greatest. Um, You have to wait two more days. That's when the institutional selling is going to be done in this thing. And then we can take a hard look. I'm not going to give up on Lance, but the stock's going lower. I, you know what? I, I'm not done. I really would. Do you mind? Do you mind if I take one so I don't end on the note the negative note? One. Let's go to Mark in New Jersey. Mark. Jimmy. Yo. Longtime fan of the show, way back to the Larry Kudlow days. Holy cow! Now you're dating me. What's up? A, a Revlon. R-E-V. We're Revlon. Looking Revlon. For Revlon, it. Revlon. I am Mr. Estee Lauder, and I'm not going to go down to Revlon. EL is going higher. Fabrizio Freyda is the smartest person in the industry. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
3: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
1: Just like real estate stocks are all about location, location, location. You'd rather have the worst house in the best neighborhood than the best house in the worst neighborhood. The house of pain. And at any given moment, there's a bull market somewhere. These bull markets are the good neighborhoods. Take home remodeling, hygiene, 5G, gaming. You can buy the worst name in these groups, and it'll do better than the best name in the floundering industry that gets no respect, like, uh, say, Chevron tomorrow uh, in the oils. That's why, because the oils had like, a one-day rally here. Right now, we've got a raging bull market in automobiles that came out of absolutely nowhere. Even if it feels like we're a little late to the party. After years of being losers, the auto industry is making a fortune thanks to the pandemic. People no longer trust mass transit. They don't want a carpool. They're moving to the suburbs or the country in droves. Places where you need a car to get around, they can Zoom their stupid jobs. Their smart jobs. Until we have a COVID vaccine, all we really have are mass and social distancing, which means your car is the safest way to travel. So how do we play it? All right, I'm going to give you the whole menu because I think this is going to be with us for a long time. I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about each one of these stocks over the next few months. First, we've got the car dealers. Now, my two favorites are Lithia Motors, which we heard from last night, symbol LID, and Sonic, which is busting out. AutoNation and CarMax may not be the best houses in the neighborhood, but again, they work too. The only dealer I won't push hard right now is Carvana, in part because Lithia just told us last night they're rolling out a compelling service. Touchless digitized shopping with delivery. I love the seven-day guarantee that Lithia has. It's not going to be the death knell because they only have a few, uh, a couple, you know, 20,000 cars to begin with, but they're a comer. Second is auto parts. The industry has been in the doldrums for so long that many major manufacturers simply spun off their auto-related businesses as standalone companies because they were they were dead weight. <laughs> hey, not anymore. And that's what draws me to Exalta for coatings and paint, filled off his own, or Adiant for uh, seating. They're way too cheap here. You can go bigger uh, with Magna or Lear. I like those, too. How about a little upscale? That's Aptiv. Uh, thank you, Stephanie Link, for this one, which gives you the brains of the car. A ton of software that does incredibly well, uh, including safety restraints. You can also do the hybrids, not the hybrid cars, but companies that have a lot of business with autos like Dow, DuPont, Nucor, and PPG. Third, you've got the semiconductor plays with a ton of auto exposure, and that's NXP Semi. Texas Instruments told us that the other night on their conference call. And even NVIDIA. Texas Instruments just really flagged the business. It really said it was the reason for the upside surprise. Stock got hit, but now it's coming back. It's going higher. NVIDIA has fabulous artificial intelligence dashboards that understand and can learn to infer what you're thinking. Mercedes uses it. It's really cool. The car actually understands colloquial language. Like, hey, man, it's really hot in here. Yeah, it gets cooler. You can buy Tesla. But that's more of a tech company, as we told you, happens to make cars, but it's also an ethos. We just spoke to Fisker last night. That's a very speculative play on a great designer's electric SUV, but they won't have a product anytime soon. So it doesn't give you the exposure you need right now to this bull market I'm talking about. How about the worst stocks in the best neighborhood? Well, those are obviously General Motors and Ford. GM reports on November 5th. Morgan Stanley put out a good piece today uh, that talked about all the bells and whistles. Think electric vehicles, like that. New outrageously successful, at least on paper, Hummer. Uh, But what matters is that they think GM is going to have, and I'm going to quote it, results are are likely to be very strong. I like very strong results. Okay, but if you're looking for the sleeper, the sleeper of the season, as we say in my bull market fantasy show, it's going to be Ford. I know, they own the Lions. I don't really care for the Lions, although I have Hawkinson. This stock, Ford, has been horrendous for years and years and years. Now, though, the F-150 is selling like hotcakes. Take a look at the price of the used ones. I tried to pick one up. The Bronco's coming back. And small, medium-sized businesses with money absolutely love Ford trucks. All this, that stuff matters. Although, if you're buying Ford the absolute worst house in a suddenly good neighborhood, you're really making a bet that the new CEO, Jim Farley, will no longer allow his company to lose money all over the globe out of some misguided sense that Ford needs to be everywhere. Farley's a car guy. If the Ford family tries to force him to lose money, I think he'll leave. I think he's as embarrassed as everyone else that the stock's so low, although it did get to over $8 say Now it's almost a dollar over where I first started recommending it. Me, I call Ford a flyer, like in bull market fantasy. I like a good flyer, especially in this bull market. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast
0: is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture-proof-of-delivery...